Hey everyone, welcome to the 41 Strong Podcast. My name is Chuck Tate. Today, believe it or not, is episode 98. In a couple weeks, we're going to hit 100. Can you believe it? 41 Strong is a podcast where we deliver encouraging scriptures and stories to help you hang on and stand strong. Hold on and stand strong. For more information about 41, what that means, you can go to my website, ChuckETate.com. That's ChuckETate.com. We published a book almost two years ago on August 1st, exactly two years ago. The book with Tindo House Publishers, 41, will come. But today, all right, today, like I just mentioned, is episode 98, and we're going to talk about or the title of today's episode is Strike Your Arrow. And this episode was inspired by an incredible book called The Last Arrow, written by author and pastor Erwin McManus. He's the pastor of Mosaic Church in LA. And um, I just got to say, I've read 27 books this year so far. And The Last Arrow is the only book that I've read twice. In fact, so inspired by it. Our church is in the middle of a four-week series called The Last Arrow, where my good friend, our executive pastor, Chris Papasis, um, kicked it off and threw down the first two weeks, and um, I'm throwing down the last two. And I wanted to specifically talk today to you about striking your arrow. And for those of you that are, are unfamiliar with, man, what's that mean? We're going to unpack it the rest of this podcast. So we're going to get right into the word today. I'm going to go to 2 Kings chapter 13. This is a, um, a fascinating story about the prophet Elisha and a wicked king named King Jehoash, all right? And King Jehoash has done evil in the sight of the Lord, and he has approached Elisha the prophet. And the scripture tells us that Elisha is at the end of of his life. So let's find out what happens. Here we go. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. It says, When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. If you recall, the prophet Elijah, who was Elisha's mentor, was taken to heaven in a chariot of fire. So here we have King Jehoash crying out to Elisha before Elisha is about to pass away to see if there's any final instructions. Here's what the prophet says in verse 15. Elisha told him, get some bow or get a bow (laughs) and some arrows. Get a bow and some arrows. So King Jehoash did what he was told and he went and he got a quiver filled with bows and arrows like I have today for those of you that are watching this podcast. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow, and Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open the eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, and Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conqueror, the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now I want you 
to pick up the other arrows. So I'm gonna take these arrows out of my quiver right now, all right? And he said, I want you to strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and he struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry. We're gonna unpack this here in a second. The man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. And now you will only be victorious three times. All right. And then Elisha died. Wow. What a, what a kind of a crazy, crazy story. But here's, here's what we know. All right. The king was wicked. It's important to point that out, that King Jehoash was a wicked king. The scripture is clear that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. We know based on Elisha's response, the fact that he was angry communicates that the king was mediocre. We know that the king should have kept striking the arrow, but he stopped. So we know that his mediocrity is what cost him. In other words, he didn't want it bad enough. God wanted to give King Jehoash complete victory, but because of his mediocrity, he was only going to experience a little victory, three victories. All right, now we know that our life is filled with battles. You're either in a battle right now, you're coming out of a battle, or you're getting ready to go into a battle. Now, if you've read the back of the book, we know we win the war. I, don't, I not only want to win the war, but I want to win battles. And King Jehoash could have had complete victory, but instead he had to settle for just a few victories because of his mediocrity. We know that God's word tells us in Revelation chapter 3 that he would rather us be hot or cold. He doesn't want us lukewarm. He doesn't like that. He said, if we're lukewarm, he will spit us out of his mouth. So I want to ask you a question. How many battles have you lost before the battle's even begun because of the lukewarmness in your heart? So I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you today, if you are in this season where you're living a mediocre life, it's time to strike your arrow. It's time to lay everything out. It's time for you to step in and live your very best life, not just any life, but live the very best life that God has intended for you. Not the life you've intended for yourself, but find out what does God want you to do? Because when you submit to his will, when you submit to his purpose, when you submit to his plans, you will have victory. He will walk you through your battles. We need to be battle ready, so to speak. So I want to ask you four questions before we go any further on today's podcast. Are you the kind of person who's always looking for the least that you can do? Are you the kind of person who only does what is required of you? Are you willing to step above and beyond? Are you the kind of person that strikes and then stops? Or are you the kind of person that strikes until there are no arrows left in your quiver? I want to live that kind of life. I want to be like that. I don't want to live my life like King Jehoash. And I've gone through my seasons of mediocrity. I've gone through my seasons of being lukewarm. I've gone through my battles where I realized I wasn't battle ready. So today, I want to prepare my heart. And hopefully, as we share 
this scripture, we share this message. I hope today that you will be inspired to pick up your arrows, that you will shoot them and that you will strike and that you will strike until you can't strike anymore. So let's talk about arrows. If, if you're watching this podcast, I know most of you are probably listening to this via iTunes if you subscribe to the podcast, but uh, we do this live in a studio um, with video as well. Then we take the audio and then we upload it to our podcast thread. But um, I'm in the studio and I have a quiver and I, ha- I have some arrows. And I want to point out that arrows are meant for battle. An arrow is not meant to stay in its quiver. Arrows were created to be released. In fact, an arrow can only fulfill its destiny. An arrow can only fulfill what it was created to do if it is shot. And here's what's cool about arrows. When you shoot an arrow, it can go, it can travel to where you haven't even been to yet. So are you willing to take the arrows that God has given you? Are you willing to take what's in your hand? Are you willing to to shoot it and allow God to send it to places that you haven't even gone to yet? All right, this is where God comes in. In this story, in, in the book of 2 Kings, the focus was what God had placed in the king's hand. It was, it was, it was an arrow. All right, but he didn't take full responsibility. We're to shoot, we're to strike, and we're not supposed to stop. And the whole premise of Erwin McManus's book, The Last Arrow, is to save nothing for the next life. Don't save anything for the next life. We're called to live this life now. We're called to be the person God created us to be. We've been created in his image, he has placed gifts talents on the inside of you that he desires to be used to build his kingdom. So we need to find out what God wants us to do so we can shoot and we can strike. So let's go to, let's go to the book of, of, of 2 Samuel, chapter 23. And we're going to read about some warriors that were in King David's army. And we're going we're gonna to talk about the courage that they had. And if we can ask God to give us the same kind of courage, then we can be used to do great exploits. All right. So 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8 says, these are the names of kings, of King David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashobim. How'd you like to have that name? Jashobim. And he was the leader of the three. Well, who's the three? According to this passage, it says the, the three were the mightiest warriors among David's men. And Jehashabim, or Jashabim, he once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Think about that. He didn't just kill 800 people, but he killed 800 warriors only with a spear. Next in rank among them was the th- uh, of the three was Eleazar. Now, Eleazar once him and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. But they stood 
their ground. It says, Eleazar, verse 10, stood his ground and struck down the Philistines until his hand grew tired and froze to his sword. In other words, he would not stop fighting. Even though the entire army deserted him, he was there to protect the king, and he struck and he struck and he swung that sword. He, struck, he, he clung to that sword too hard, so hard that his hand actually froze to the sword. And then it says this, the Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. I want to be like Eleazar. I want to cling to my sword until my hand freezes to the sword. All right. The third warrior next in rank, verse 11 tells us, was Shammah. Now, one time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. If you don't know what a lentil is, it's a type of bean. So here we have Shammah in this field of lentil, lentils. And the Israelite army fled again, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines all by himself. All by myself. Okay, I'm not going to sing. All right, so the Lord brought about a great victory. I, I just want to ask, what is the deal with the Israelite army who always fleeing? I mean, even before David became king, back in the day, 13 years before he became king, he showed up just to hang out with his brothers, to check on them, to bring a meal to them. And the scripture tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that Goliath, the champion um, giant of the Philistines, he had been taunting the army of Israel twice a day for 40 days. And not one soldier in Saul's army would respond. In other words, they responded with silence. They did nothing. And David shows up, and of course, he fought Goliath on day 41. There's a book about that, right? And I'm just fascinated that the army didn't do anything, but it doesn't surprise me because 13 years later when David's king, on two different occasions, the army flees. And Eleazar is there to protect David alone, and his hand clings to his sword. And then we have Shammah, where the army deserts him. He's in a field of lentils, and everybody's gone, and it, he is the only one left to fight. And I'm sure he purposed in his heart, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die here. He, he struck his arrow. He would not stop. And it says the Lord brought about a great victory. All right, this tells me that if we will be willing to stand our ground, we will purpose in our heart that we won't quit no matter what, that if we will be willing to fight our battles, that God, literally, he'll fight our battles for us. The victory will belong to him. So we need to, we need to pray a lot. We need to expect a lot. We need to do a lot. And um, the key... For us as, as followers of Jesus is prayer. We have got to spend time talking and listening to God. When we're in a battle, we need God on our side. We need to cry out to him. He is the one who's to strengthen He's going to strengthen us. He's the one who's going to bring about the victory. So we need to lean into him. We need to seek him. The word says to come boldly to the throne that we might obtain. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a battle, I don't want anybody's good thoughts or um, positive vibes. I want, somebody to, I want somebody to pray for me. 
All right. I mean, if somebody says, if I'm in a battle and somebody's like, hey, I'm sending you my, my good vibes and my positive thoughts, that's going to make me feel better. I'll be like, great, great. I'm glad you're thinking about me. All right. But that's not going to change my circumstance. That's not going to dictate the outcome of my battle, but prayer will. If somebody's going to pray on my behalf, if somebody's going to go to the throne room on my behalf, if someone is going to seek God, the creator of heavens, and the other, someone's going to cry out to Jesus on my behalf, the word says that he is there for us in a time of trouble. He hears us. He responds to us. I know that prayer moves the hand of God. The hand of God moves the world. So if you're in a battle today, you need someone to pray for you. Keep your good thoughts and your good vibes. I don't care about that. I want somebody to intercede for me. I need to pray if I'm going to get through the trial that I'm in. I don't want to just feel good. I want to be good. I want to be standing when that battle is over. So we need to pray. You know, um, I just returned from a ministry trip in Arizona. I had the opportunity to go and, and speak at a, a youth camp in, in Prescott, Arizona and minister at a church that I grew up um, at when I was a little kid in, in, in Phoenix. And um, while we were in, in Phoenix, we had um, took a day off from, from ministry. I think we had done um, seven services, and um, we decided to go to this place called Big Surf and just go out and hang out and ride water slides. And, and in fact, there was this one water slide with this, this drop, and um, you're supposed to cross your arms and cross your legs. And um, I didn't cross my legs, and I got struck with an arrow and um, learned my, my lesson there. But we spent all day at this water park hanging out and then went to dinner and then went to the pastor's house and hung out there and had some dessert. And then on our way back to the hotel, my, my little boy, he's 10, he said, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm like, you're hungry? You've been eating all day. <laughs> What's, what do you mean you're hungry? We just ate not too long ago. He's like, Dad, I'm starving. All right, if you're a parent, then you've heard that over and over and over again. So I'm like, okay. And um, we had his best friend, JJ, with us on this trip. So I'm like, he was hungry too. So I said, all right, well, we'll hit a drive-thru on the way back to the hotel. So we found ourselves in line at Jack in a Box. And I pulled up. I rolled down my window. And I stuck my head out the window. And we had a van full of people. There were 10 of us on this trip. But um, not 10 of us in the van at this moment. But nonetheless, we still had um, a, a number of people in the van, and everybody was talking. And I, I wear hearing aids. I have a hard time hearing. So I stuck my head out the window, and I was very loud. And I said, yes, I would like to order a plain double cheeseburger. I would like to order a, um, a cheeseburger with, with ketchup only. And then, of course, I would also like to order um, a small fry and a strawberry shake. And after I ordered, everyone in the van began to chuckle. And uh, there was no response on the, other, on the other end. So I decided to be like Bartimaeus and shout louder. And I, I said, yes, I would like to order a plain double cheeseburger, a regular cheeseburger with ketchup only, a small fry, and a strawberry shake. And after I ordered the second time, even louder than the first time, everybody in the van began to laugh even louder. Now everyone in the van is laughing at me. I don't know why. The person on the other end of the intercom is not responding to me. Nothing is happening. And then I realized why everybody was laughing at me. I was talking to a sign. It wasn't the intercom. The intercom was about 20 to 30 feet ahead. I had just pulled up to a menu, rolled down my window, and was expecting the menu to talk back to me. So I had to pull forward. 
And when I pulled up through the intercom, then somebody said, hey, welcome to Jack in a Box, may I help you? And everyone in the van was losing their mind, and the person on the other end of the intercom thought I was making fun of her, and I wasn't. I said, ma'am, I just, I just, I'm sorry, I was ordering at the sign behind me, and she didn't know what I was talking about, so then I ordered my meal, and I was trying to be precise because I didn't want them to mess it up, and I also didn't want her to feel bad pulled up to get the meal, tried to explain to her what was going on while the van was still laughing at me. She didn't get it. And guess what? She got the order wrong. All right. Now, as crazy and funny as that story is, the same is true when we're in the middle of battle and we think positive vibes and good thoughts are going to help determine the outcome. Nothing. No one's going to respond. There's not going to be any response. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't change anything. But prayer does. So we need to pray. All right. And what's great about God is he's not going to mess up the order. All right. He's going to, he's going to get it right. We have to be willing to seek God. It, our, the outcome of our battle is it depends on us crying out to God. All right. So we've got to be willing to cry out to God. Um, one of the things that Erwin McManus says is this, you may actually be living a life of paralysis, limiting your capacity, not because of the wounds you experienced when you were young, not because of the pain you've gone through, not because of the brokenness inside of you, but because of the fear that is rooted in you because of all things. And that's where courage comes in. We know that courage comes before healing. The three warriors that we just read about in the book of 2 Samuel, it required courage for them to step out and to win their battles. It took courage for Jashabim to fight off and defeat 800 warriors. It took courage for Eleazar to cling to his sword and defend the king and fight until the enemy was defeated. It took courage for Shammah to fight alone in a field of lentils. It will take courage for us to fight and win our battles. And the only way that we can muster up that courage and to hold on and stand strong is to lean in to God. Daniel 11.32 says, The people who know their God will be strong and will do great exploits. All right, so I want to share four things that we can learn from these three warriors, four things that we can learn from the, from the courage that David's elite warriors had. All right, number one, we have to be willing to take a stand. We have to be willing to take a stand. These three warriors, Jashabim, Eleazar, and Shammah, they took a stand. We have to be willing to take a stand like, like Shama in the middle of a field of lentils and plant our flag, so to speak. We've got to be willing to stand our ground. For those of you that are in a battle right now, are you willing to get up and stand? Some of you, you're in a fetal position and you've all but given up. You've got to get up and you've got to stand up. You've got to lean into God and you've got to say, you know what? Like Shama, I'm going to fight. I am going to... I don't care if my enemy, if everyone around me has, has deserted me. My, you know, it's, it's bad when you're fighting your battle and those around you are the ones that are deserting you, right? People you love and you trust, 
Sometimes your own family, your own friends are the ones who, who desert you and they leave you to fend for yourself in the battle. You know, in those moments, the only way that you're going to make it is to lean into God. We can learn a lot from Shama. All right, the second thing is don't let go. All right, Eleazar, um, he would not let go of his sword. He clung so tight to his sword that his hand froze to his sword. Even though everyone else had deserted him, he would not let go. We need to cling to God and not let go. We need to cling to his word and not let go. Why? His word is like a sword. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even, dividing asunder, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We need the word of God. We've got to cling to it and not let go. We live in a culture that is not only letting go, but is dismissing scripture. It's dismissing and diluting it. And we can't do that. We've got to cling to it. We weigh everything against scripture. We stand on the word. Jesus is the living word. We need the word. We need to memorize it. We need to read it. We need to study to show ourselves approved. If we put it in our heart, it's going to come out of our lips. And if it comes out of our lips, it's like a sword. When we speak the word of God, things happen. We're praying, we're talking to God, we're receiving instruction from God, we're standing on His Word, we're clinging to His Word, we're speaking His Word, and if we do that, we're going to win. We're going to win some battles. So number one, we've got to take a stand. Number two, don't let go. Number three, we have to be willing to take some risks. We've got to be willing to step out in faith. All right, there was a pivotal moment in my life that helped lead to me publishing my book two years ago, and it took place in 2013 at a writer's conference when I was willing to take a risk and approach a very well-known agent just to share my book concept with. She was the one responsible for putting on the conference. She had, her and her agency had partnered with Tyndall House Publishers. I was in a service where they had just given away a publishing contract to a winner of a writing contest, a writing contest that, that I would eventually win two years later. But in that moment, when that conference was over, I felt like I was supposed to just walk up and share my idea to get some feedback. For me, it was something that I needed to do right then in that moment. The battle that I was in, the inward battle, the struggle that I had with, with confidence regarding this book concept, this idea, this dream that God had given me. And I almost didn't do it. I almost walked away. And I realized, you know what, i got to take this risk. Even if she tells me she hates the idea, I've got to be willing to step out in faith. And I almost didn't do it, but I'm so glad that I did. I just walked up to her and I said, hi, my name is Chuck. I'm a, I'm a pastor in Illinois. Can I have 60 seconds to share my book concept? And uh, her name is Esther Federkevich. She represents a number of best-selling authors, people like Tim Tebow and Mark Batterson and Stephen Furtick and Judith Smith, Lisa Turkers, other people that you, you might be familiar with. And after I asked her that question, she looked at me and she just said, go. But you know what? I was ready. I was battle ready. I was prepared for that moment. I had already rehearsed my elevator pitch, so to speak. And I took the next 60 seconds and I unpacked my idea. When I was finished, she said, I love it. And she encouraged me. And I walked away that day ready to take that next step. And that next step was submitting my book proposal into that contest two years later, a contest that I would win that would lead to me having a publishing contract to publish the book, 41 Will Come. And on August 1st, it has, it's two years old. 
And that is a result of me taking steps in different battles. And this podcast would not even exist if not for that moment. So we have to be willing to take some risks. We have to be willing to step out. And then number four, our last point, we learned from the three among the 30 of David's elite warriors, we have to be willing to find our tribe. We've got to do life. We can't do life alone. We've got to do life together. You need to find your tribe. This is why church is so important. This is why Hebrews says, don't get out of the habit of meeting together for worship. Instead, encourage each other all the more until that day approaches where Jesus returns. So until Jesus comes back, we need to, we need to surround ourselves with other people that are going to hold up our arms, that are going to fight for us, that are going to fight with us, that are going to go beyond just sharing um, good thoughts and positive vibes with people that are going to be willing to, to pray and intercede on our behalf. We've got to find our tribe so we can strike our arrow. Are we willing to do that? We only have a few seconds left, so I just want to share one last quote by Erwin McManus from the book, The Last Arrow. He says, courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the absence of self. Are we willing to pursue God's dream for us? Are we willing to live the very best life that he intended for us? Are you willing to use what's in your hand? Are you willing to shoot? Are you willing to strike and strike and strike until you can't strike anymore? Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to open up your word today. And I just pray right now that you will encourage every single person that is watching, that is listening. God, for those that have been in the middle of a battle and they've all but given them up. In fact, some people right now, they're in the fetal position and they don't know what to do next. I pray that you will instill supernatural courage and strength to stand up, that they will hold on, that they will stand strong, that they will lean into you, that they will cling to their sword, that they will surround themselves with people that are going to encourage them, help hold up their arms. I pray today, Lord, that we will move forward, that we will take what you've given us, that we will strike, that we will strike, that we will live the very best life that you've intended for us. We thank you, God, that not only are you in the battle with us, but you are going to help see us through the battle. So you can declare the Lord brought about a great victory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today in the 41 Strong Podcast, episode 98. I have a couple authors I'm going to be interviewing over the next couple weeks, so I'm looking forward to that. So we will see you soon. For more information, you can go to my website, ChuckyTate.com. That's ChuckyTate.com. All right. For our producer, Mike Sable, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. PeoriaLife.com.